Ah, yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. Verses 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then he answers, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So if you're serious about your walk with God and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word line upon line. Chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. Uh, this is a very intense chapter, and you'll remember when we started this uh, study, uh, we decided we would skip ahead and cover chapters 21 and 22 to see how everything ends so that we understand that the book of Revelation is good news. It's good news. But there is some difficult moments as we lead into the triumphal entry. Of our Lord and Savior. And we are going to get into some intense content uh, in chapter 13. Let's open with a word of prayer and then let's begin our study. Father, we come before you, your servants, ever so grateful that you have called us out, that you have brought us to Jesus Christ, that in a world of darkness, uh, your gospel, your good news is not hidden to us. And we're so grateful, Father, that beyond understanding the gospel message, we can understand or begin to understand the content here in this book of Revelation. And there's a great blessing pronounced on those who will read, those who will hear, those who will keep the words that are in this book. Father, let that be us. We praise you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' holy name. So we are going to cover some intense content tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the mark of the beast and the beast and all of that. And there's a lot of, you know, imagination uh, around these topics. We want to take a responsible reading of the scripture. Uh, however, we also want to uh, address what's in the scripture head on. So before we get straight into the chapter, 
we need to go uh, back a little bit. <clears throat> I want to take us back to chapter 10 because that ties into chapter 13. There was a bit of an inter interlude where, you know, things are happening on the earth. But uh, what we saw last week was John saw a vision in heaven and he saw things, signs in, in the heavens. But now in chapter 13, we come back to earth. We want to go back to chapter 10 where the focus clearly was on the earth because that will help us understand chapter 13. So we'll cover a bit of 10 and a bit of uh, 11 and 12 to introduce chapter 13. In the, the uh, chapter 10, when we covered that, it began with John seeing another mighty angel. He doesn't name this angel. I believe based on content in, in Daniel that this is Michael. Some people are saying that it is Christ. Uh, I don't think it's Christ at all, but, but I do think it could be the archangel Michael. But he saw this other mighty angel come down from heaven, so he's coming to earth, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, and his face as were as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And we know that this is actually a scroll, but the focus here is that it was open. It was no longer closed. This angel comes down, this mighty angel, and the content of this little scroll is open. And, and we believe that, or some teaching, that this, the content, this, this, this book, is the prophecies, the time-based prophecies it, that were given to Daniel, that Daniel told were sealed until the time of the end. Well, this is the time of the end, and those prophecies are now opened. And he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth. This is going to become very important. This is why I wanted to go back to chapter 10. That this angel, when we covered this, he was demonstrating his absolute authority and dominion over, <clears throat> over the, um, the, not just the land, but the land and the sea. That he, he, it's under his feet. He has complete authority over anything that's taking place from this point forward uh, on the land and uh, in the sea. Now, let's go back to the prophecy that was given to Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up. So at the end time, this is when Michael stands up, the great prince, which stands for the children of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time, and at that time, Daniel, your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So Michael comes down, and everyone that is written in the book is delivered at this time, when Michael comes down, and it's, it's a time of great tribulation. There's never been a time like this before, and nor will there ever be. This is an intense time of great suffering, but it's also a time of great deliverance. So that's what this end time is. And then in verse 4, he's given these instructions. But you, O Daniel, shut up the word. So this was all shared with Daniel. So Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, a dream that, that enabled him to see what was going to happen in the future. Uh, Daniel then deciphered that. And Daniel was given additional revelation and additional visions. So Daniel had a full uh, view, front row seat, into what's going to happen before the return of Christ. But then he's told to seal up the words. And so shut up the words and seal the book, 
even to the time of the end. And again, I just want to highlight every time we're talking about time. So this is all sealed until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. So it's going to be a time, I'm going to interpret this as it's a time of panic, but at the same time, because it's a time of the opening, it's a time of the apocalypse, it's a time of revelation, that there are going to be many that are going to be understanding what is happening. While many are panicking and running up and down and freaking out, there are going to be others that understand exactly what is going on. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two. So there's Michael standing, and he's standing on the sea. And then there's another two angels that are standing, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. So Michael is standing on the sea, and these other angels are standing on the river banks, one on one side, one on the other. So Michael's on the sea, they're on the land. And one said to the man clothed in linen, so they're speaking to Michael, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? So this is like, wow, what's going on here? How long, how long whatever it is that Daniel saw, that he was privy to understand, how long does this take? And you know, when does it all end? And these are wonders. And I heard the man clothed in linen, that is Michael, which was upon the waters of the river. So in Revelation, he's got one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. Here he's on the water, the river, and the other angels are on the land. And he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swore by him that lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. So time is one, times is two, and a half. It's going to be for three and a half. And we understand this with other prophecies, 1260 days, 42 months. This is three and a half years. So whatever Daniel was privy to understand, it was wonderful. It was awesome in the true meaning of the word awe, you know, awful, full of awe. And it's going to be for three and a half years. So this is all about this time period of three and a half years, and it's going to be a time of trouble such as never was, nor will ever be again. And so it's going to be for a time, times and a half, when he shall have accomplished, notice this, to scatter the power of who? Of the holy people. That for three and a half years, the holy people are going to be given over. And this beast is going to be able to accomplish the shattering of the power of the holy people. And then all these things shall be finished. And earlier, Michael said that Daniel's people that are found written in the book, who are in the book of life, they conduct themselves in such a way that our names are written in the book of life. We will be delivered. We will be resurrected to glory. But there are going to be others who conduct themselves in such a way. Uh, Christ tells us that many shall betray one another. And so they're going to be running up and down, running to and fro, but knowledge will be increased. And so there are going to be some that understand what's going on. And they're going to be faithful and true, but others are not going to be. And then it's all over. Three and a half years. And I heard, so Daniel heard this. He just couldn't compute it. 
it's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. This just doesn't make any sense to me. So he's constantly asking, can, can we go over this again? Like, help me understand. I heard, but I didn't understand. Then said I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? In other words, what on earth is this? Why are the holy people being shattered or scattered, destroyed? Why is power being given to the beast? What, how is this part of your plan? I, I, can we go over this again? I don't understand. And, and where is all this leading? What, what will be the end of all of this? And again, it's about the time. How, how long does this go on for? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So now what Revelation is showing us is when we come to that final three and a half year period, the little book is opened. The scroll is opened. Knowledge will be increased. The wicked are going to do wickedly, but the wise will understand because this, this, it's God's will for us to understand. That's what the apocalypse is all about. It's about understanding. It's about a revealing so that the wise, those who truly fear God, will be able to understand everything that's happening around them. So at this time, though, he's told that these were, this prophecy, what he just was privy to understand, it's sealed and it's not going to be fully appreciated and understood until the right time. And that is the time of the end. And that is this final three and a half year period. So we come back to Revelation 10. And the angel, which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven. So what Daniel saw was he was standing on the water and the other two angels were on the land. But he lift, and he lifted up both hands and swore. Here now what John sees is he puts one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. And then he lifts up his hand and he swears by him that lives forever and ever. So something is in this scroll that's open, but it's all under God's control. And the land and the sea are under the feet of this mighty angel to show this is all under God's control. And he swore by him that lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So this is it. This is, this is what Daniel, like, how long is this going to be? Like, when does this all end? This is when it all ends. So now, the chronology, the unfolding of the history of man, it's over. This is it. The scroll is now opened. All the final things are now going to take place in this final three and a half years. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Again, that pointing to time. It's now history is over. And it's a mystery. It's a, Daniel said, what will be the end of these wonders? This is, I don't understand. It's a mystery. I, I can't comprehend this. Well, now, according to the voice of this angel, when the seventh trumpet blows, it's over. This whole thing now is going to unravel very, very quickly, and we're going to usher in the kingdom of God, as he has declared to his servants, the prophets, and especially to Daniel, but also Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they all had glimpses of this as well. 
So going back to Daniel 12, that uh, the one said, uh, the one that was on the land said to the one that was on the water, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders, this, these mysteries? Well, this is it now. In the final trumpet, when that trumpet, when that angel sounds and the little book is opened, it's over. Many shall be purified in Daniel 12. Many shall be purified. So this is a, a revealing, this is an understanding of what's going on, and this commitment to Christ is part of the purification process. Many shall be purified, and we saw that in Daniel, sorry, in Revelation chapter 7, we saw the symbolic number of 144,000, and when John heard them counted out, and he looked, he saw a multitude that no man could number. Many shall be purified and made white. And he was asked, like, who are these? And he didn't know. Well, these are those who came through the great tribulation, and they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. It's going to be a testing, intense testing period, but they're going to be successful. Knowledge shall increase, but many are going to run to and fro. The wicked shall do wickedly. They're not going to understand. Brother shall betray brother. You know, never mind those people who reject Christ altogether, but those who know Christ and have tasted of his Holy Spirit are going to do wickedly. So says the scripture. The wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but knowledge shall be increased. There is going to be the revealing. There is going to be the apocalypsis. There is going to be this understanding of what God is doing. The wise shall understand. So the scroll is going to be opened to the wise. Now, the real understanding of this three-and-a-half period, three-and-a-half-year period, is about understanding that, in fact, this three-and-a-half-year period is part of the prophecy that was given to Daniel, the 70 weeks prophecy. Where in Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined upon your people, Daniel, and upon your holy city, to finish the transgression, this is what the wise will understand, that the 70 weeks are determined upon the people of God and upon the holy city, Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, God's people have been, if they have been anything, they've been rebellious. They have been against God. And now in this 70 weeks plan, God is going to bring an end to the transgression. And he's going to make an end of the sins of his people and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring, in, to bring in what? Everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So this is a mystery that God is working out until the end time, when it's opened. And now what we see in how we began this study was this understanding that this is the time of revealing that he says here, it's the revelation, it's the apocalypsis, it's the opening, it's, it's about increasing our understanding, it's about getting on God's plan and agenda and, and his objectives and understanding what's going on. Knowledge is going to increase. Uh, the, the, the wise are going to understand because of this apocalypsis. It is the revelation, it's the revealing of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. It's something we're to know. Things which must shortly, again, this emphasis on time, shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his 
angel unto his servant John. So it's coded. It's coded so that the wicked will not understand. That's what the scripture says. That the wicked are not going to understand and the wicked are going to do wickedly. But the wise are going to understand. We're going to put in the effort. We're going to make the effort to, to stick with this and wrestle with it. And as we wrestle with it and as time unfolds and, and things happen around us, we're going to be able to say, yeah, that's in the scripture. And we're going to search the scripture. I think there's, God said something about that in chapter 13 or chapter 12 or chapter 17. And we're going to go and look and it's going to become clearer and clearer and clearer. Meanwhile, because it's coded, the, the wicked will have no access to this information. Now, you know, there's this sense that we don't have to worry about anything because we're going to be raptured away. We're going to be in the place of safety. And I hope that I knocked that on the head when we covered chapter 12, that this is just false teaching. And Christ, in his letters to the churches, his personal epistles to the churches, here we see this advice, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. And Daniel said, it's a time of trial. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be you faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So the saints in Christ, we're not panicking, trying to save our skin. That's for the wicked, who have no hope. So they panic, and they run to and fro. But for the wise, knowledge is increasing, and we're understanding. And we understand just how brief this life is. And so we're not doing all we can to, you know, I must be in the place of safety. Nothing can happen to me. I can't, you know, I'm too precious to be touched. We don't have this mindset. The mindset we have is Christ is Lord. Christ must be praised. Every tongue must praise Christ. Every knee must bow to Christ. And we are happy to declare Christ. This is our mindset. So it says here in chapter 12, when we were in chapter 12, that the saints overcome the devil how by the blood of the lamb remember when we were in chapter 5 that no man was found worthy or no nobody no being was found worthy to open the scroll not on not in heaven nor on earth nor under the earth but Christ was on his way and he was found worthy to Un, to reveal the, what the contents of the of of, of the scroll to, un, to to unseal the seven seals why because he's the only one whose blood there is redemption so because of what he accomplished he, he has the blood of redemption and so now the whole plan of god that is written in these in this scroll and sealed with seven seals now it can be accomplished. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. He's the only one whose blood is able to cover sinners like you and me and able to redeem Israel. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And what? And by the word of their testimony. This is the key. This is the key. What is your testimony? What, what do you proclaim? What do you bear witness to in, in a court of law that you don't care? I'm going to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In the beginning 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is my testimony. And so I don't care. This is the truth. And I'm going to speak truth. And you're going to speak truth. And this is, it's by understanding his blood and having his blood apply to us. But then it's not just, oh, I'm a Christian. Everything's great for me. I can sit back. I've got nothing to do. No, I'm a Christian. I have a truth to proclaim. I have a truth to proclaim. I have a testimony. And so we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by our testimony. And because we understand, we love not our lives unto the death. We're not save our skin kind of people. We're not, I don't care what happens to anybody else as long as I'm safe kind of people. We are Christians. We are Christ-like people. We will give our lives for others. We will give our lives for our love of Christ and his body and his bride. This is who we are. So our life is not paramount. Christ's life is paramount. And the eternal life that he is offering to all those who come into Christ, this is what's paramount. This eternal life between Christ and his bride, this is what we're about. And so, you know, my personal physical life here, yeah, it's, I'm enjoying it, it's wonderful, but it's nothing compared to the truth that has been revealed to me and to you. So this verse is really important. This is how the, the wise, this is what the wise understand, and this is how the wise overcome. Now, what does it mean to have a word of testimony? Well, this same John who, who wrote the Gospel of John writes about a man with a testimony, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. And, there came, and the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. This is the point of witnessing, that we want men to believe through Christ. We, we, or through us, we want men to come to, to Christ to believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That's what John was sent for. And this is our role. This is our testimony, to bear witness of the light. Now, what was the result? Mark 6.16, when Herod heard about Christ and what was happening, he said, it's John whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. So they're trying to understand who this was, and, and Herod thought it was John. What did he do to John? John came to bear witness. He was beheaded. Well, this is what we see in the book of Revelation, that those who have the testimony of Christ, that Satan's favorite way of killing, is to behead man made in God's image and likeness to remove his head from his body. This is Satan's thrill. And this is the cost of testimony. But this is the process of washing our robes in the blood of the Lamb and becoming purified and, and, and being tried and the process of living forever. Isaiah 33:14, a very powerful scripture. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Brother shall betray brother. In other words, there are sinners in Zion. That we are all by nature hypocrites. We like to be thought well of, but what goes on privately, in our thoughts, in our private moments, we would rather people don't see this or hear this that they just see the image. Well, Christ isn't interested in the image. 
He tries the reins and the hearts, and he's interested in the substance. Who are we really? And so the wicked shall do wickedly. So this process, it is a process of becoming Christ-like. And if we are not engaged in this process fully, we are hypocrites. And when the moment comes, the scripture says, Isaiah prophesies, that the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. They thought from week to week, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, it's all going to be the same. And then suddenly it all changes and they're caught off guard. Or I should say we're caught off guard. We're all hypocrites. uh, Unless Christ through his Holy Spirit changes us. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? When this moment comes, who's going to survive? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And this is Isaiah 33. So if you want to see the answer, uh, see what Isaiah uh, writes in Isaiah 33. Back to Revelation. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, and he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open. The contents are now available. Take this book that's in the hand of the angel, it stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And again, this emphasis of the sea and the earth. And when, and I went to the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. That's the scroll. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. It shall make your belly bitter. But it shall be in your mouth sweet as honey. So this is the end. This is, this is, the, this is the contents of this little scroll are what bring us to the end. This is the end of the history of man. And it's the introduction of the kingdom of God. And so this is sweet when we understand finally the dominion of the devil is over, the dominion of Christ begins. This is sweet. But uh uh-oh, when we come to understand what Daniel understood, where he kept on asking, what does this mean? What is this? In fact, it made him sick. That's where it's bitter in the belly. Because there's a whole bunch of slaughter that's going to take place in this final three and a half years. There is intense persecution. And many are going to run to and fro and panic and give up their faith. And those that retain their faith are going to suffer greatly. Yes, all those who desire to live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. And so when we come to understand what this all means, that it had to be sealed until the time of the end, it's bitter in the belly. The full understanding of what this is, is bitter in the belly. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And in fact, it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. I loved what I heard here. And then I came to understand the implications. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. This is is where the bitterness is coming from. That we have a testimony which the devil hates. And in this final three and a half year period, we must testify. We must bear witness. And the devil, as we saw, and we'll see very in our summary here, in our review, uh, the devil can no longer have access to Christ in heaven. 
he now goes after the woman. There is a part of the woman that is in scattering in, in a panic in the last minute, you know, don't even come down from the rooftop, don't even go into the house, run for your life. It's not this orderly, get your plane ticket, follow the leader. It's for the people in Judea who are, who are messianic uh, in Christ, who obey Christ, run for your life, scatter. And then the rest are subject to the persecution of the devil. He, he, he's running out of time. He knows it's only three and a half year period. He can no longer have access to those in Judea. He now turns to the remnant of the seed. And so this is necessary. So this is the bitterness now, that there's a testimony that has to be declared. Not everyone is going to be faithful. Uh, they're going to lose out forever. Uh, and then there are going to be those who are faithful. Uh, we're going to suffer if we should live into this three and a half year period. And then he says, there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Isaiah says, the hypocrites in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. This is the measuring. So there's work to be done and it's on pain of death. And those of us who are faithful in Christ, we will do the work. Those of us who have been playing church, we will, we will become self-obsessed. And so there's a measuring who's in, who's out. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Again, this emphasis on the three and a half year period. This is what Daniel saw. And so the Gentiles are going to have the upper hand for this final three and a half years. The Gentiles are going to be puppets of the devil, persecuting the woman for three and a half years. <clears throat> and then dropping down to verse 19 of chapter 11, and the temple was opened in heaven. So now the scene shifts to heaven and he's looking up and there was seen in his temple, the ark of his testament. This is pride of place. God has a covenant with his people and he will never turn back on it. Never. It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to break his, to turn back on his promise. So this is what the wise understand. And this is why we are faithful. We love him because he loved us first. And we are all in Christ. We are in Israel. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. This is a great wonder. Remember, the devil was just a wonder. But this is a great wonder. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and under her head a crown of 12 stars. So we covered this last week, that this is Israel. This is the bride of Christ. This is the woman with whom God has made a covenant with. God is married to Israel. And this is, this is the great wonder in heaven. This is what it's all about. This is a sign showing John the significance of Israel to God. And before he saw this woman, he saw the Ark of the Testament, which shows the faithfulness of God, which we must never, ever forget. And don't let anybody tell you that God is unfaithful. And then after seeing this Ark of the Covenant, he then, in pride of place in heaven, he then sees the woman. 
in verse 17 of chapter 12, we covered this again last week, that when the, the dragon no longer had access to Christ, no longer had access to those in Judea, that the dragon was angry with the woman and he turned then to make war with the remnant, the rest of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is what John came to understand when at first seeing the contents of the scroll was sweet. It was sweetness. It was like honey. Just loved it. It was wonderful. And then when he digested the implications and what has to happen in the three and a half year period before we get there, this is what really uh, blew him away. So they have the testimony. John the Baptist had the testimony. We must have the testimony. But there's a cost to having this testimony. And fearfulness surprises the hypocrites. But the wise will understand. And the wise will hold on to the testimony. And this, what all of this helps us understand is, this is not nothing to be taken personally. That this is the hatred that Christ has, or that Satan has for Christ. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. That there's going to be enmity between Satan and the woman, and between Satan's seed and the woman's seed. It, the, woman, the, the, the seed is going to crush, destroy Satan by a fatal blow to the head, but he shall certainly uh, bruise the heel of the seed. Now this hatred and this, this uh, in, insane rage from the devil, we, it's the loss of being able to achieve his dream, his vision, his goal, which we learn in Isaiah was to be like the Most High, to exalt his throne above the stars of God, to be worshipped, to, to, he says to be like the Most High. There can't be two Most Highs. It's not that he wants to be like the Most High, it's that he wants to replace the Most High and that everybody worships him. Well, because this is now no longer available to him, He's kicked out of heaven. There's no way he's been overthrown by Michael. And now he's on earth. And the best he can do now is take out as many potential sons of God as possible. That was his, that's, his, that's was his design on Adam, that Adam had dominion, Eve had dominion. He took that dominion away from them. And now this is what he's doing, to take dominion away from man made in God's image and likeness. So he's wroth with the woman and he's going after those who have the commandments and have the testimony of Christ. And he wants to take dominion away from the bride of Christ who's going to reign with him forever. With all of that now, we come to chapter 13. And I just want to remind you that the um, we had talked about the, uh, I, how should I say this? When, when John said at the beginning that these are things that must shortly come to pass, that that shortly coming to pass was in fact true. That a lot of people say like, you know, where is everything? And I, I, I likened the prophecy to being like a train. That when John says these things must shortly come to pass and he's writing to the seven churches there in Asia Minor, these things in fact did shortly come to pass. All of those churches in, in Turkey, in, in, in uh, Asia Minor, uh, they were all slaughtered. Within a few hundred years, the Muslims came in and completely savaged those cities. And today, those, all those areas are Muslim cities now. Christians hardly exist in, in the Middle East. 
And so, yes, those things did shortly come to pass. But people read Revelation and they're basically saying, where are these things? Where are these things? It's, it's, it, you know, 2,000 years later, uh, they still haven't come to pass. Well, 2,000 years later, they are coming to pass. And we mustn't confuse, we mustn't confuse the train with the caboose. When the train is running, believe me, the caboose is coming. So the three and a half year period is the caboose. And this is where people think this is what Revelation is all about. Well, no, Revelation is about everything from the first century when John received the vision right up until the kingdom of God. But the three and a half year period at the very end, that is the caboose. And that's what we're getting into now as we enter into uh, chapter 13 and verse 1. So now we come to chapter 13 with all of that uh, backdrop. We have to understand what we've read and uh, remember what we've read in chapter 10, 11, 12. Now we're coming into 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. So he saw this angel standing on the sea and with one foot on the sea, one foot on the land. Now he's standing on the sand of the sea. And he saw a beast rise up out of the sea. So he's looking, he's looking at the sea and he sees, you know, this angel that was just had one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. Um, and now he's looking out at the sea and he sees this beast rise up from the sea. And he describes this beast that he sees, saying that it has, it has seven heads and ten horns and it's scarlet red and it's being worshipped and it, it's coming up out of the sea. He says... I saw this beast rise up out of the sea. So again, remember, this is all uh, signified. This is all coded. This is all symbolic. It, the beast is a symbol. The sea is a symbol. It had seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. So he has blasphemy. We have a testimony. He has blasphemy upon all seven heads so this is going to be so these things are going to be significant as we're trying to uncover and decode excuse me what these symbols are there's a symbol of the sea there's a symbol of a beast there's a symbol of seven heads there's a symbol of ten horns there's a symbol of crowns we need to unpack what all these are now just going back now, I just want to just call your attention to something we covered a couple of weeks back, that when the angel cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And then, you know, I had mentioned that we have somebody in the Church of God uh, movement that wrote a book that has nine chapters. And he said, you know, if you remove the first chapter and you remove the, set, the last chapter, it has seven chapters. It has seven thunders. Well, I would be very careful about writing a book that I claim has the content of what these seven thunders uttered. Now, so we covered that. But I want to cover something else now. And it's this number seven, that the seven thunders uttered, and that word uttered means to babble. They babbled. They, they uttered their voices. 
And he was about to write what they said, but there was a voice from heaven that said, don't write what they uttered, what they babbled. This is the book of the revealing. God wants us to understand. He wants his servants to understand what's in the scroll. The scroll is open. And yet what they say is to be sealed. They're, 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 whatever they wrote was to be sealed. Why do we assume that the seven thunders, that the source of this talk is from God? I just want to ask the question, what if it's not? You see, these seven thunders, the next time the number seven is mentioned, after the seven thunders utter their voices, and, and John is told not to write what they said, the next time that the number seven is, is mentioned is in chapter 12, when this beast with seven heads and ten horns is mentioned. Seven heads means seven mouths. So chapter 12, and, and we'll, we'll come back to this. Uh, so if we go look at the seven, so seven is here. There's a 7,000 mentioned in chapter 11, but that's 7,000, that's not seven. So the next time seven is mentioned is in chapter 12, when the devil is mentioned having seven heads. That's seven mouths. And now we come to the beast in chapter 13, also having seven heads. So, and, and, the, and, and the names are full of blasphemy. So if we're in the revealing, where God is doing everything to show us everything, there's no more secrets now. He wants us to understand so that we can get through this. And yet, in the very presence of the open scroll, John is told not to write what the seven thunders babbled. What if those seven thunders were the source of that was Satan? And it was so blasphemous that it doesn't add anything to our understanding to record the blasphemy of the devil. And so John is instructed, you don't need to write that. It doesn't add anything. You know, stick to the script here, stick to the revealing. We don't need to hear God's name blasphemed. Just a question. Because seven, and the next time seven is, is mentioned, is when the devil is being described. And now what we also want to see is that this description of the devil having seven heads and, uh, and, and ten um, horns, that when we get to the beast power, it, it has the same description as the devil. So like father, like son, and that's where Christ says, you know, uh, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, that Satan has a seed. And so here, like father, like son. So in 12.3, we see that the devil is a red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. In chapter 17, if we just fast forward, we see that John is carried away in the spirit into the wilderness. We'll come to this when we come to chapter 17, but I just want to point out here that he sees this woman sitting upon a scarlet colored beast like father, like son. The devil is red symbolically. This beast is red symbolically. The devil is full of blasphemy. This beast is full of names of blasphemy. The devil has seven heads and ten horns. This beast 
has seven heads and ten horns. In fact, Christ, when he was on earth, he said, Have I been with you so, such a long time that uh, you have not seen me? That he that has seen me, sorry, let me just say that again. Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest you then, show us the Father? And we could say the same thing here, that whoever sees these beast systems of the devil has seen the devil, like father, like son. Revelation 17, And he said unto me, The waters, so the beast comes out of the sea. Here we get the decoding. He said unto me, The waters which you saw, where the whore sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So John, when the scroll was opened, he was told, you have to prophesy again before many peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. We have testimony, they have blasphemy. So these waters are Gentile peoples. That's what the sea symbolizes. So this beast, which represents a political power, is ascending out of Gentile nations with a bloodthirst for Israel, with a hatred for Israel. Isaiah further decodes this, that says in the future to Israel, then shall, then shall see, then you shall see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you. In other words, the wealth of the Gentiles. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto you. So again, this, the, we have a very clear decoding of what the sea is. The sea are Gentile peoples. And the beast are political systems that come from these peoples that have a great hatred for Israel. And they destroy Israel. They destroy the people of God. And the angel said unto me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Same prophecy that was given to Daniel, that if, if those who are not written in the book of life are going to perish at this time. But we see, just as we saw earlier, that this, the angel will uh, come down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit. It'll unlock the bottomless pit. And then this beast is going to arise from these Gentile nations. And it's going to be a political system full of blasphemy. And it's going to hunt down those who have the testimony of the Lord. whose name is not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So this beast, it, it disappeared. It was on the scene and then it disappeared and then it comes back for one final hurrah. The devil knows that his time is short. He's got three and a half years. This is going to be his most intense activity. But this is the seventh head. This is, this is it. Time has run out. And so he's going to take out as many of God's people as he possibly can through deception and force and whatever means, by whatever means necessary. And here is, again, we're going to come to 17 later, but I just wanted to pull it into 13. And here is the mind which has wisdom. 
So knowledge shall increase. The wise shall understand, but the wicked will do wickedly. Money will run to and fro, but knowledge shall increase. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. So it's decoding it for us. So the dragon has seven heads. This beast comes out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. In, in the first case, the crowns were on the heads of the devil. But in this case, the crowns are on the horns. Because this is all about this final three and a half year period. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So we're going to talk about the woman later. But right now we're talking about the beast that has seven heads. These seven heads are seven mountains. And then what are these seven mountains? And there are seven kings. So there's a king to go with the kingdom. So the mountains are kingdoms. And there are seven kings which represent these kingdoms. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. And one is. And the other is not yet come. So this is again the same vision that Daniel had. But Daniel only saw four kings, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar. John sees seven. So John sees the whole complement. John sees a, gets a full comprehensive, comprehensive listing. Daniel only saw four. He saw three and then one that wasn't like the others. Here, John sees seven. So he sees two before Nebuchadnezzar. And then he sees five more. And there are seven kings. In John's time, five were fallen. So five heads of this beast had fallen. One is, and this very clearly is referring to uh, Domitian, the, the, the Domitian persecution, which John had to live through. Uh, in his, and that's actually why he was exiled, because he, would, he refused to, re to worship Domitian, who declared himself God, full of blasphemy. And so one is, that's the Roman Empire, five before Rome were fallen, the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. Again, this referral to this intense three and a half year period. So Daniel had a vision, which, uh, or sorry, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar had a vision of these beasts. So whenever God's people uh, see these um, empires, they are portrayed as beasts. Nebuchadnezzar was a Gentile. He was a Gentile king, a great Gentile king. The vision given to him was of this glorious image. It was just wonderful. It was, it was just full of awe. It was beautiful. So to a Gentile, that's how it's perceived. But to the people of God, this is a beast. This is a devouring, maniacal beast. So, you know, he's given these this vision of four kingdoms that are centered around or centered from Babylon. Uh, was the iron, the clay, and he explains what these are. But he says at the end that this image is shattered by what? He says that no place was found for these kingdoms. And the stone that struck the image became a great, great mountain. So this tells us what a mountain is. A mountain is a kingdom. So there are seven mountains, and then this final mountain comes to replace those seven. This is these, the mountain is symbol, symbolic of a kingdom, and this mountain filled 
the whole earth. So we'll come back to the, uh, the scripture now where we're talking about this beast. And it says, verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. So this is, this is the dragon that's supporting him. And this one comes from the sea. The angel uh, had one foot on the sea and another foot on the land. And so we're going to see a beast come from the sea and a beast come from the land. And these are powerful beasts. And in this three and a half year power uh, period, they seem invincible. But we have to remember the angel had one foot on the sea and one foot in the land and the scroll open. So all of this is according to God's plan, his orchestration. And it's, it's always revealed to Daniel. And now John is understanding it. And now we are beginning to understand it. We won't fully understand it until, you know, the time comes for this three and a half year period when it will be fully revealed. But we're beginning to understand it, that these beasts are that they're coming from the sea, which means Gentile peoples. And the dragon is what gives him his power. So this is the unholy trinity. You've got Satan. You've got the beast from the sea and the beast from the land. And so Daniel explains to him, you know, you saw Nebuchadnezzar, you saw this great image. And he says that the image was gold. And he, he talks about the different parts of the body. And, uh, and then he, he names what these uh, kingdoms are, that this is uh, the kingdom of Babylon, followed by Persia, followed by Greece. And then he says a fourth kingdom. He doesn't actually name it. Daniel spoke and said, uh, so now in chapter 7, Daniel sees the same reality, but he sees it very differently than the way it was shown to Nebuchadnezzar. To Nebuchadnezzar, it's glorious. To Daniel, as a servant of God, it's blasphemous. It's evil. These are beasts. These are destroyers. Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea that is the Gentile peoples. And four great beasts came up from the sea, the Gentile peoples. They were very different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given unto it. So this is all speaking of the kingdom of Babylon and specifically the king Nebuchadnezzar. And I behold, and I beheld another beast, a second like to a bear. So this is now speaking of Persia. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. This is why they're called beasts. They, they consume much flesh, and it's much, uh, unfortunately, uh, the flesh of the people of God. That's where Satan's hatred is targeted. So this is now speaking of the Persian Empire and some symbolism there around Persia. And after this, I beheld in law another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. And uh, the beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. So this is now speaking of the Grecian Empire and Alexander the Great, who had the speed of a leopard. And this I saw in the night visions. And behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, 
and it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. So he sees four beasts. John saw seven. John said, I'm seeing one that right now is, but there's another one yet to come. So John also said there's one coming before the end of time. Daniel is seeing this one that's coming at the end of time. And this is the one that's going to be struck. The one that John saw is the one that was in his time. And it was diverse from the other. It was different from the other beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns. And behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So this is all to do with might is right. This is a strongman movement. And you know, three of these horns are subsumed by this fourth one, this little one. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Remember, seal up those things which the seven thunders utter. This is full of blasphemy. Coming back to Revelation 13. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. But his deadly wound was healed. So again, here we're with this. This is a, a, a military wound. This, is, uh, this was a great political power that was in f consuming much flesh, and then it died. So there's some sort of uh, political system that we're looking for that is going to be resurrected. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. This was, again, this, this great military power. And the beast, uh, just fast forward again to 17, the beast you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. So this key, this angel comes down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and it comes out, but it's going to go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So some, there's some power we're looking for, which collapsed. Everyone thought it was over, but then it's coming back. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. So what John is saying is actually there are eight beasts. Daniel saw four. John saw eight. But the eighth is of the seventh. So it's, this is this deadly wound. The seventh beast is wounded mortally. But then a key to the bottomless pit is given to this angel and the bottomless pit is opened and this resurrection of this seventh beast is, is really the eighth beast but it's the seventh is of the seventh and it goes into perdition and they worshiped the dragon look how they beheld him they just they just love this dragon they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast so the beast power comes from the devil and all the people worship the beast. That that or sorry, they worship the dragon, they worship the devil. That's what the devil wants. I will be like the most high. So through deception, he's able to get them to worship him. They worship the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? It's a war machine. And there was given him a mouth speaking great things. <clears throat> it was given him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. That's what these seven heads have. 
They have seven mouths and they speak blasphemy. And then the dragon gives this mouth to the beast. And so the beast with seven heads speaks blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue how long? Forty and two months. This, this little book that's opened is all about the final forty and two months. This is the caboose. And so this great power is temporary. It's for three and a half years. And so that's where we saw in Revelation 12, 15, that the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood. These blasphemies come out of his mouth. And that's what empowers and enables and emboldens these wicked Gentile people to go after the woman with hatred. And the dragon, so we saw that, he's going to now go after the remnant that have the testimony. And we saw that, you know, Daniel saw that this one was upon the waters of the river. And again, it's going to be for three and a half years. And what is he going to do in this three and a half years? He's going to have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. This is actually by design. Daniel didn't understand it, but the wise are going to understand it. This is necessary. This is, this is going to separate, rise and measure the temple. Who's in, who's out? Who, who, who's true, who is false? Who's a hypocrite? Who is true, a true Christian? This is what's going on. But what is the end result of our faithfulness, even to the point of beheading? And I saw thrones in chapter 20, and they sat upon these thrones, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, those that have the testimony of Christ, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We have to be strong in the Lord because this is eternity. This is it's not just a thousand years we're talking about reigning with Christ. This is forever. For this short three and a half year period, the wise are going to understand this is a necessary process. It's about measuring the temple. The wicked are not going to understand. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. This is, this is what comes out of the mouth of the devil. And this is why I'm saying, you know, seven heads, seven mouths, seven thunders, uh, babbling. Are these all connected? And that's why John was told, don't write, don't write. What, the, what, what, what they say doesn't matter. The, the servants have to understand things which must shortly come to pass, not blasphemy. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And, and I just wanted to quote here that what's going to happen to those who speak proud things. We, this is what the wise understand. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. This is, he, he doesn't have the power to do this. Any, anything that he does, it is God that has given him the power. That's why we saw the mighty angel with one foot over the sea. He's under the dominion of God. But, same thing that Daniel saw, John is now seeing it, that it was given unto him to make war with the saints. This is by God's permission. And not just to make war with them, to overcome them. And this is where 
we have to be ready we have to understand this is a necessary process and don't believe people are saying or oh, you're going to be whisked off to heaven in a rapture or you're going to be whisked off you know just buy your plane ticket and we'll follow the leader and we're going to go to petra and have these caves and no one's going to touch us satan is busy in this three and a half year period <clears throat> and he's making war with the saints that are who have the honor to stand for christ in this final period the final chapter of man's history that there are going to be some who are wise, who have the honor, the distinct privilege of standing for Christ against the dragon and against the beast and overcome. He's going to over, it looks like he's going to overcome us. And this is what I said, I, I believe I said this last week when we were in chapter 12, that just as he overcame Christ, but in the point of overcoming Christ, Christ overcame him. That love conquered violence, love conquered hatred. In the same way with these saints, that when it appears that he has overcome us, because of our love for Christ, we remain true, we remain faithful. This is how we overcome Satan. That we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb and with the testimony of Christ. It was given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him, it was given to him. This is where Daniel couldn't understand, like, what is the end of all this? How does this actually happen? But John now got the whole picture so that he could give it to us, so that we can have the whole picture. And over time, we're going to just stick in Revelation. We're going to understand more and more that it was given to him to make war with the saints. This is the hatred that he has. He's gone after the woman. He couldn't get those that are in Jerusalem that flee, that obey Christ and flee as soon as they see the abomination of desolation. He turns and he now goes after those who have the commandments, who are faithful. They're keeping the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Christ. And he's, he's making war with the saints. This is, his, this is the blasphemy. The, it's like the whole purpose of this global government system is to stamp out Christ. So he makes war with the saints and to overcome them. It's given him the privilege, and that's what uh, Daniel saw, to, to scatter the power of the holy people, to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And John was told that we must now prophesy, you, you know, this in this three and a half year period, we must prophesy to all kindreds and tongues and nations, but they're going to be under the... Uh, the puppeteer the dragon is the puppeteer and they are puppets but we are going to be proclaiming christ and there are many who are going to repent and they are going to wash their uh robes in in the blood of the lamb and they're going to be grafted into israel from all kindreds and all tongues and nations this is why our work is so important and in in daniel 8 he says and his power shall be mighty but not by his own power so he's going to be, it's given to him from, from God. The mighty angel stood over the water. Uh, he's, he's under the foot of God and God's angel. But it's going to, not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. This, this, this is the prophecy. This is what was sealed up until the time of the end. And this is when, when all of this has happened, many are going to be running to and fro and panicking. But knowledge will increase because the, the unsealing, the unveiling, the apocalypsis. 
and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life. So same thing that Daniel saw is the same thing that John is seeing. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And here, just as we wrap up here, uh, what, what Michael, oh, sorry, what Daniel saw, that this is the time when Michael stands up in this terrible time of trouble, and uh, that this is when the people are delivered, those that are found written in the book. And so he says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. So these are some very, very intense prophecies that God wants us to know. And, but we all, we know where this all leads, but we have to put, put this puzzle together and understand what is Christ telling us? What is it that we must understand? Because when we understand it, we will be faithful. Knowledge will increase. The wicked are going to do wickedly. We're going to understand. So this is one beast from the sea. There's another beast from the land. The sea representing the Gentile peoples. The land, the land is really given to, to God's people. So now there's going to be another beast that comes from the land. And these two beasts are under, as I call it, this is the unholy trinity here. This is the real trinity. You've got the dragon, the beast from the sea, the beast from the land. But why don't we stop here? If any man have an ear, let him hear. These things must shortly come to pass. We're coming to the caboose, that final three and a half year period, which is going to be intense. But those of us who commit our lives to Christ, we have nothing to fear. In fact, we have so much to look forward to as the first resurrection is right around the corner. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks for joining tonight. We're going to go through this again uh, next week, going on, continuing in chapter 13, as we look at the beast from the land. Christ is King. Christ is Lord. Christ is the Lamb, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah.